0: Broadcasting live from the PHX.FM studio in Phoenix, Arizona.
1: It's time for Valley Business Radio, spotlighting the Valley's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome back to the Arizona 100 podcast. I'm Adrian McIntyre with PHX.FM. I'm joined here in our virtual remote at a distance studio by Abby Fink, publisher of the Arizona 100. Hi, Abby.
0: Hello. How are you today?
1: I'm super well. Now, we're still doing things this way, although a lot in the world has changed. What's uh what's going on and what are we going to see in the Arizona 100?
0: Well, you're right. The at least the world in Arizona has changed, right? The the governor's order expired and and opened up the the state a little bit for businesses to consider getting back to to the workplace, which of course has created Additional thoughts and questions around what is the right thing to do and how to keep everybody safe. I know from a um, our agency's perspective, we've been back and forth with a variety of different things to determine what is going to be the safe and best way to get um, back into the office space. You will uh, see signage up at our office now, and and a little bit more desks and such spread out a bit. We've got hand sanitizer and masks for everyone that comes in that wishes to do that. So I think you're going to see a little bit more of uh, some cautionary things as people consider reopening and how they're going to do that to keep not only their employees safe, but their their customers and clients as well.
1: What are you seeing out there in the world? You know, it certainly is changing. And yet, to me, it seems a little bit like I don't know, I'm kind of thinking of a metaphor from water skiing in the summer. I remember when I was a kid, uh, if if you turned the boat too fast, the propeller lost its grip on the water because it was just caught in the churn and in the bubbles. And there was this period of time before it kind of caught on. And it feels a little bit like we're in the churn. I mean, there's a lot that's changing. A lot of it, it feels too fast, some feels too slow. I know there's a lot of different opinions out there about what should be happening. And I personally, um, just speaking only for myself, feel like I'm less clear than ever on what exactly the right thing is to do. Uh, I'm pretty clear with regard to my business, how I want to proceed, but more in general, I don't know. It just feels um, a bit unsettling. I mean, it's all been unsettling. And this just feels a little bit more, and I'm not quite sure why that is, whether it's less clear communication or more vocal opinions. I don't know what it is that has me less feeling less grounded.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the 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 unknown continues to be part of the conversation, but where I think that for me it's now we're in a little bit of personal choice, right? The 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 governor's order has expired and so the the message there is you know, you you have some freedom to, to move about. You can start to access the lo, you know, the retail locations, and your offices can begin to open. And there's some some guidance still around what is safe and what the best way to do that is. But personal choice is certainly entering into this. Uh, you know, whether or not to wear a face mask or whether or not to you know dine out. Those are all individual choices. I think the business owners are certainly making decisions of what's right for them. Uh, but as an individual that goes into an office, or decides to frequent a restaurant or any number of things that were not available to us in the last few months that are now ready to be open i think it's personal choice and and to me that's where the where the real decision is made is what makes the most sense for you and and you know your Circle of influence, those people that are part of your inner circle and whatever that choice is, we all need to respect that choice, right? So if if wearing a face mask is something that you choose to do that makes you feel safer and more comfortable and that's what you're going to do, that's great. If you choose not to, that's also your your opinion and you're entitled to that. Um, and we can choose which locations we frequent based on what guidance they share. No different than we would, you know, six months ago before this wasn't, you know, something that was so top of mind. And I think for me, that's really what it's coming down to is respecting the individual business owner and the and the individuals that are frequenting those businesses that they make their decisions based on their own level of comfort, their own uh, assessment of the risk and whatever that decision is needs to be the right decision. And there is some, you know, conversations that are taking place within the HR, human resources community, and within the legal community about what business owners can do for their employees in terms of mandating particular behavior and what they are allowed to do um, and mandate, if that's even the right word, with their, with their customers. And so, um, you know, the, I think all of us that are making those decisions also have to grapple with that from a legal perspective as well as what can we do and what should we do when it comes to. um, requiring, encouraging, requesting people do certain things. And all of those words have, you know, ramifications based on what the outcome is. So I know that a lot of businesses are thinking about that. And there's some great resources out there on, you know, should do I require my employees to wear a mask? Well, you certainly can if that's what makes the most sense. Uh, Some of the legal advice out there is if you do, then you have to make them available and you have to provide for proper disposal of those things. Uh, can you require your customers to wear them? You certainly can, and you have to have, you know, empower the employees to make those decisions to whether or not to serve a guest uh, that may or may not be abiding by the, these temporary rules. I don't think these are permanent situations, but, you know, we've all, we've all been, um, remember, you know, no, no shirt, no sh- no shoes, no service, and we got very comfortable with the idea that, you know, we couldn't walk into a restaurant barefoot and expect to be served. Um, you know, we we wear seatbelts for our safety and for those around us. So I, you know, I put these some of these guidelines into that same category that you know it is individual choice, but you know, let's think about the larger good when we're making those decisions.
1: Yeah, the larger good, I think, is is something that in an in an era of fairly toxic public discourse, uh, we may have lost touch with a little bit, and um, I, I think it's important to remember that. We live in a world with other people, our decisions affect others, and while we're free to have opinions uh, and to express our our freedoms in, through the political process, that there's a there's a level of being in this together that I think somehow we didn't all manage to wrap our heads around it. <laughs> so there's a lot of folks still caught up in this, you know, my freedom, my choice, my whatever. And it was never really about that. Uh, tell that to the TSA when you try to fly. Right. Know? It's like, come on. I, I Which by the way, I, I feel was an overstretch. I mean, uh, I don't know that confiscating tweezers made America safer for 12 years, but that's the, you know, that's the situation. Right. Anyhow, neither here nor there. The point is, in in the context of this conversation and, and through the lens of the Arizona 100, what we are always seeing is leaders trying to make the best decisions for themselves, for their companies, for their communities, for their employees, for the state as a whole.
0: Right, so in this issue, we've got a, a couple stories uh, that are that are talking just about that exactly. Recommendations from uh, the legal community on what you sh- you know you can consider as you're incorporating these types of guidelines into your business. Again, whether you require masks or not with your customers or not, and really if you choose to make those decisions, what are the best practices around that? Um, we are hearing from the HR community as well on how to communicate that information to your employees and particular so that the guidelines are clear and that there is no question as to what the business is requiring and as an employee, what you agree to do um, in terms of your employment with that particular organization. You know, one of the other things that I think is really interesting as it relates to the social distancing component of your office environment or your workspace is there's been a trend recently about this very open space environment, no walls, no doors, no, you know, share, you know, share desks, share space. And that's been, you know, for the last handful of years, it's been kind of the the trend in developing out your office space. And, and so the interior designers and office uh, designers are looking at whether or not that can be modified in this era of social distancing and how to create a space that allows your people to be in the works workplace and have safety and and some some boundaries around that so that they can still have their you know their creative juices flowing and that interaction with their teammates but doing it in such a way that is that is as safe as possible and you you start to realize really and I you know speak about it from our perspective so much of what we do is interacting with each other and you know, gaining that energy off of each other's feedback, and and when there's now a a screen between us, you know, where we're doing this remotely or we're you know, we're having to rely on a uh, you know the office walls to communicate, it's going to look a little bit differently. But you know, the the space itself is still the same, but we're we're looking at different ways of of configuring you know office furniture and conference rooms and common areas to make sure that you know we're doing everything that we can and business owners are doing everything they can to be to be safe out there and of course you know we're seeing The uh, retail and restaurants and, you know, other customer-facing businesses are starting to reopen. Shopping malls across the state, uh, the Mesa Rich properties, for instance, have all um, opened up their 11 properties across the state of Arizona. Very clear about the sanitizing and hygiene uh, protocols that they've put in place. All designed again to keep their their employees safe, but make a safe shopping experience or a safe, safe dining experience if we're talking about restaurants you know, for all of the the potential customers that are out there. And so I, I think we're going to continue to be talking about that. I think the 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 discussion around safe workplaces isn't going to change anytime soon., um, but I think as we're evolving over the the course of the summer and watching what happens, you know, maybe we'll be having slightly different conversations as more and more things are opening up and and the comfort level returns to the majority of us to get back out there and and start you know interacting again with the the businesses and organizations that we are we like to frequent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think your your words point to something that we all would be very well served to remember, which is that this is a dynamic and evolving situation. Uh, we don't know what the end of it will actually look like. Uh, certainly that involves some kind of a vaccine, which is not anywhere close uh, to being ready. So as things change, one of the things we can be sure is they will continue to change. Right. Some for the for the better, some for the worse, perhaps. Who knows? But we need to be mindful. We need uh, to not be so impatient uh, that we're unwilling to look at the facts and make you know serious and, and reasoned decisions, and so it's great to know that the experts on these subjects are weighing in, and some of that's being reflected in in the the virtual pages of the Arizona uh, One Hundred. Anything else going on that we need to be paying attention to? Yeah,
0: I want to I want to touch on a couple things. Um, you know, certainly the the impact of what this has been has has um, touched all of our communities. You know, we've talked about that before, and uh, you know, one area in particular. Is our homeless community? Um, You know, they they are already in a uh, living in an unsheltered environment when we're talking about sheltering at home or sheltering in place, and you know that's it's a conversation that happens whether we're facing a pandemic or not. But how do we assist our um, nearly ten thousand homeless people here in Arizona? And the Arizona Association of Realtors um, has. Uh, along with uh, the National Realtors Association, is uh, participating in a program here in Arizona. It's called the Arizona Housing Fund. And it is an opportunity to really support and provide funding for uh, some of the uh, permanent supportive housing programs that we have, affordable housing that we have here in Arizona. So as... Uh, houses are being buying, being bought and sold. There's an opportunity at that transaction to um, to make a donation into the housing fund, which then will go out and support the nonprofits in our community that are uh, working to provide housing options for what are now again nearly 10,000 homeless people throughout the state so that's a great program and you know you're if you're thinking about buying and selling right now um, there's a way to do that and find a new place for yourself and and make uh, you know provide a benefit to others and providing benefit you know we have of course seen um, unemployment numbers increasing as businesses are making these um, choices and and resulting in either you uh, Furloughs or permanent layoffs. And so the Arizona Commerce Authority is working with the Arizona at Work organization and they've launched a website to provide training resources and career counseling. It's called Return Stronger Upskilling. That's a new word, upskilling. Uh, but it's um, a website to des- uh, provide workers that are no longer employed with a, a one stop location to learn about and find training programs and other things to help them ideally find new work, you know, update resumes, update maybe credentials or other uh, licensings that they might need to get uh, new jobs and such. So, that's return stronger upskilling um, hosted by the Arizona Commerce Authority and Arizona at Work. So, again couple of our our organizations that are doing some good while they are uh, readjusting to this current environment that we're in
1: you know two things there i just want to quickly uh, comment on that i just it's it's very inspiring to me along the lines of what we've said several times on this podcast and that is amidst all, all of the turmoil and chaos and for so many people the the pain and loss of of loved ones that this terrible crisis has brought there are exciting Developments that seem like a really good idea that maybe this is what it took to get them in in action. that that using the opportunity of that moment in time, that real estate transaction to invite someone to contribute to someone else's ability to be safely housed. That's brilliant. I love that concept. like that would have been a good idea last year. It's a good idea next year, and this is the moment that that they're making that happen. That's wonderful, right. And this idea of upskilling is something we've all talked about in workforce development, the fact that the workers of the future need more, uh, specific skills than they've gotten, and here's a way to give them that. These are, this is exciting to me.
0: Right. We, we would um, had called that re at some point, right? And so upskilling gives you that forward motion, right? We're, we're, we're advancing, we're, we're engaging, we're increasing our, our employability, and that's always a good thing. So I just want to um, end on a couple things. Of course, you know, we, we have long talked about how Arizona is a, a foodie community and that we have some of the, the nation's best chefs uh, in Arizona. And that has proven out, once again, uh, there are four Arizona chefs that are finalists for the James Beard Award, which is a uh, world-renowned uh, recognition for chefs. Uh, so the chef at Rancho Pino, the chef at Barrio Cafe Grand Reserva, lote Cafe and Bianco Pizzeria are all up for recognition in the James Beard Program. So, uh, they um, the restaurants themselves, of course, have had to adjust the way they're doing business, as as did the organization that presents this awards. So, um, they are going to uh, present the award on September twenty fifth. Uh, they're still evaluating how that's going to happen, but we uh, we cheer on our representatives from from Arizona, and in. Uh, The final one of the stories that I think is really fantastic is this, um, it's a project called the Thanks a Billion Project. And it is an opportunity um, for you to say thanks. And to show gratitude for, uh, you know, really the good things that we have, and and the idea that gratitude itself may help you conquer your fears and those things that are a little bit unsettling. So it's an online project called Thanks a Billion Project. There's blog posts and videos and other things to help you kind of settle in for a little bit, take a look at what's good, and and you know, uh, pay, give some gratitude and thanks for those things that are positive, and and um, and really take you kind of on this journey, we hope, to a positive outlook on what's happening. And and I think after, you know, a couple months of having these conversations that have been a little more challenging, a little more difficult and causing all of us to really, you know, reevaluate and rethink, it's it's nice to, to you know, to say thanks and, and look at some things. I know I've been doing a little bit more of that, a little more handwritten notes, a few more phone calls, just to acknowledge those people that are you know, out there and in and, and working with me and and around me and and telling them how much that what they do, I and I appreciate so much. So so thank you, Adrian, for always having a great conversation with us and for helping us share the good of the arizona one hundred and and having these fantastic conversations.
1: You're very, very welcome. The pleasure is mine. And thank you, Abby Fink. Publisher of the Arizona 100 and HMA Public Relations, that brings you the Arizona 100, for continuing to use this platform to tell stories uh, happening throughout the state. Uh, the ups and the downs, as we've seen over the past few months, but to continue to remind people of that one common thing is that we are in this together and there's more going on out there uh, than just the bad stuff, just the negative. So I appreciate you very much for your commitment to that story. Great.
0: Well, if you have any information that you think we should know, any great stories that uh, you feel are worthy of the Arizona 100, please send those to us at editor at the Arizona dot com. The issue comes out twice a month, second and fourth Thursday of the month. So we'll have one out here in the next couple days. Visit us online at thearizona100.com to see more about the stories we talked about today and an archive of all the stories that we've published. And uh, again, if you have some information, we'd love to hear it. So send it
1: our way. Marvelous. Thank you so much. Abby Fink is publisher of The Arizona 100. Thanks for being here. Thank you. For all of us here at phx.fm, I'm Adrian McIntyre. We'll see you next time on the Arizona 100 podcast.